Hi everyone, I'm Simone. Welcome back to Radio Monash's No Theory. Hi everyone, it's Lydia here. I hope you're all doing okay with those lockdowns across Australia at the moment. Uh, hopefully today's episode will cheer you up a little bit. Today's guest is Ruzimbo, who is the founder of a beauty brand that aims to change the beauty narrative. She founded her company, Rubey Cosmetics, which hopes to see a more diverse and inclusive beauty industry. Over the past two years, she's actually seen this business grow tremendously with her products um, spreading all over the globe. So it's, it's rather international now, which is exciting. And when she's not busy with business, she's also a published writer and activist, passionate about young people unveiling their potential in every aspect of their lives. Welcome, Ruby. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, just coping with lockdown. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I, I feel it's always hard to answer that question these days um, with the lockdowns and COVID, just so many thoughts going on, but I'm very sure that we're excited to have you on the show today. So welcome again. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Um, our absolute pleasure. So we've obviously just given a, a brief introduction, but please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so as you've heard, my name's Dravimbo. I was born in Zimbabwe and raised in Australia. I've lived in Australia majority of my life, with part of it being spent in South Australia before I moved to Melbourne. I'm an entrepreneur. I love all things business. I also enjoy the work I get to do with young people, empowering them as the leaders of today. I know it's ideal to say the leaders of tomorrow. But young people are, are presently leading right now, and that's important to recognise. Mm, and so, definitely. And so, what are you passionate about, Ruby? Um. So, I really love business. That's why I started Ruby Cosmetics. I really wanted to see a more diverse beauty industry because there's not a lot of representation in Australia. Even mm -hmm. though Australia is multicultural, I don't really see a lot of people that look like me in the campaigns. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that as my business grows, I'm able to see that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is something we'll talk about a lot with you today, which I'm really excited about because I feel very out of my depth with yeah, beauty, business, both of those things. So um, it'll be great to get your perspective on these things. Obviously, though, you've, you've got a lot of commitments and passions. Um, how are you able to juggle all of these things? Well, for me, planning and scheduling, because if you don't mm -hmm. plan for things, you plan to fail. So I make it a point to always have things scheduled in my calendar. So I step, mm -hmm. so I stay on top of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something, again, <laughs> I keep bringing this back to lockdown, but I'm um, realising a lot. Got to give yourself structure and schedule. Mm, definitely. And in terms of, you know, balancing commitments, a part of that is also saying no to opportunities. How do you say no Um and when do you know how to, uh, sorry, and when do you know to say no in, to opportunities? Well, I know when to say no to opportunities, when those opportunities don't align with my core values or they don't align with who I am as a person. I'm a person who puts her all into things and if I'm not into something 100%, then chances are I won't do it. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I do things with authenticity, sorry. Authenticity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, authenticity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what are your core values that you're just talking about? Um, so firstly, um, 
let's say cultural values because I am a woman of color I have to make sure that mm-hmm. whoever I'm doing business with respects me as a woman of color um mm-hmm. and also religious values as well so I also have to think about that as well before I take on any opportunities mm-hmm. yeah excellent I imagine it's so important as a woman in business and perhaps even particularly as a, a woman of color in business to be able to set those boundaries so um yeah yeah it must be be a big task um I mean you've already alluded to this but would you say that you're trying to have I guess a bigger impact and create positive change through the work that you do yes definitely I do want to have a positive impact I do want to be able to see more diversity more people included more people seen especially people of color um so I'm really pushing for that in the work that I get to do and what kind of excellent impact do you think having more people of color and you know more people from diverse backgrounds would have on the beauty industry um I think it would make people feel a bit more confident I think when you represent other people, they have more confidence in businesses, they have more confidence in themselves. Um, Because as a person of colour, having grown up in Australia, when I haven't seen myself represented, I just feel like I don't even matter. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think the moment that you actually include other people, they then realise like, oh, actually, you know what? I am seen, I am validated, and I actually do matter. Um, so, yeah. Mm, definitely. I think representation is something that is so undervalued and underestimated sometimes, just that, that power. I mean, I'm not a woman of colour myself, so obviously I, I can't comment or entirely comprehend all of these things you're saying, but just in small parts of my identity, I suppose, as well, when I see certain, I guess, people on the TV or in the magazines who I don't look like, you you, you don't feel seen. So then for that to go on to, I guess, yeah, a, a racial or a cultural level is just something entirely different. So it's amazing work you're doing, Ruby. I'm, I'm sure you're empowering a, a lot of um, young women and the next generation out there. <laughs> so um, I actually met you for the first time, Ruby, a few years ago, obviously, with our, with Plan International through the Youth Activist Series. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about this program? Okay, so I was part of the 2018 Youth Activist Series with Plan International. Mm-hmm. We, get to work with, we got to work on some very amazing projects, such as Free to Be, which is making cities safer for women. We were able to sit with stakeholders, and tell them how they could make women feel safer while using things such as public transportation. Through this, we've seen things we we suggested implemented, which has been an amazing thing to witness. Um, So yeah, I got to even write some articles and Mm -hmm. do some like research. And I met some really incredible young women on this journey as well, which is really great. And um, when you met those like women, did that like expand your um, perspective or what kind of impact did meeting other, you know, passionate people have on you? Um, well, I found it very empowering to see young people passionate about seeing change happen, particularly for women and young girls. 
Um, so it was really great to be able to have established those relationships in that year that I was able to be a youth activist. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to be a part like completely because I ended up working full time. So <laughs> that was like a bit sad, but at least I got to make the impact that I got to make when I was part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've also definitely. noticed you're an associate with YLab. And so what do you do with this ex- with this organisation? Okay, with YLab, I get to work with diff- on different projects with and for young people putting young people at the forefront of decision-making with different organisations. So sometimes I get to work on projects with the government. Sometimes I get to work with um, youth organisations to see how they can better put forward young people's voices. Um, Yeah, so it's been a really good journey. I've been with Wild Up for the past five years, which has been great. We've seen amazing changes and it's a really great organisation to work for because they really put young people first. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And you've just mentioned about some of these government projects um, that you worked on. Can you tell us a bit more about those? Um, I worked on a project called State of the Future, where we went around Victoria seeing the issues that young people were facing. Um, so I was mainly focused on the eastern parts of Victoria, And one of the issues was accessibility, like with transportation for those young people who live in that area. And then there was another issue, which was a statewide issue. And the statewide issue was mental health. Um, So we did workshops. And out of those workshops, we wrote a report of recommendations that the government could implement to help these young people. What were some of the recommendations? Some of the recommendations was to have more accessibility to mental health plans for young people, um, especially in those communities where they're not necessarily given access to them as easily as they can. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's really important. I've, I've noticed that actually just throughout some of my previous experiences that mental health plans, they, they sound like something that is so easy to access. Um, but yeah, it can actually be quite a complicated process. And if there are some of those systemic barriers or, or other things going on in your life, it can actually be really hard to get the help that you need. Mm. Yeah. So it was a really great project. Uh, mm. I think those young people really felt heard, which mm-hmm. is good. Have you been able to see, I guess, some of the, the follow-ups from that, the implementations or what impact it's having? Um, not exactly. I haven't seen any recently, but I'm sure YLab has had some, um, some more insight. Mm-hmm. It was done in 2019, but I'm sure that a lot of changes came out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, something I also noticed is that you're revamping the Lead Her Collective. So what is this collective? Could you tell us a bit more about it? Okay, so Lead Her is to equip to equip young women with the skills to be strong and capable leaders. Think of things you wish you knew when growing up and what you would have taught your younger self about what you know now. So that's the whole idea around Lead Her Collective, just to give like young people like steps, like how do you handle the situation in your life? I think we could have used, well, I could have used a lot of help when I was younger with how to navigate through womanhood. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of other young women could really benefit from something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. How definitely. did you get involved in the Lead Her Collective? I was just like an idea that I just had. Oh, <laughs> and, right. So you uh, started <laughs> Yeah, I started it. Um, I haven't exactly launched it, so I'm just like, okay, what steps do I take? What direction do I take mm-hmm. to make this mm-hmm. thing become a reality? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah and what, what do you think some of the, the things that young women and young girls struggle with when coming into womanhood that you would address? Um, things around sexual health. I think is very important and navigating through, let's say your period, like how Mm -hmm. do you deal with something like that? If you don't have like a mother who's going to teach you how, like, where do you go? Where do you go for help? Um, Which is something that I questioned when I was younger. Um, And I think I'm not the only person who's questioned that. So (laughs) no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would hope I could help. Yeah, what about things, and um, obviously I don't want to <laughs> take control here or anything, but what about things, I guess, like uh, uh, self-identity or even some of this confidence you've been alluding to? Do you think that's an important part or something you hope to address? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm hoping that I can also be able to hold workshops with some mm-hmm. women from different organisations that can really give insight into stuff like that when it comes to like beauty you know some young girls struggle with like their weight or they Mm. struggle with like eating habits so how can we better um help them to have healthy habits around food and stuff like that Um, excellent yeah I am I'm sure there's many useful tips that will have a great impact on young women because it's a very tumultuous difficult time um as we can all relate to so any bit of guidance is useful for sure Um, excellent well thank you so much for all of that ruby we're going to take our first um song break for today this is ruby's first song choice boss queen by nyesha so enjoy everyone we'll be back very soon with ruby from ruby cosmetics Hi everyone and welcome back to Radio Monash's No Theory. We're here today with Ruby from Ruby Cosmetics. So on this note, can you please tell us, Ruby, how did you come up with the idea for your company? Okay, um, the idea of Ruby Cosmetics was birthed in 2018 at a time where I was struggling to find work. I had this business idea for a while, but didn't have the funds to start it. Luckily, I was able to get a job, and each paycheck I'd set aside little by little of my paycheck. Mm-hmm. I was then able to finally launch in June 2019. Ruby Cosmetics just turned two years old in June, and the brand has grown so much within those two years with over 4,000 followers on Instagram. Wow, that's a lot of followers. How do you feel <laughs> about um, your success? Pardon, sorry. How do you feel about your success? Uh, it feels amazing because a lot of people have actually supported the brand. They love the products, which has been amazing. I didn't think that it was possible. But um, last year when I launched our lip glosses, we actually sold out, which was like mind-blowing. I was like, oh, wow, that is actually possible, which has really pushed me to really 
keep pushing for the vision to become a reality and that vision is to see a more inclusive beauty industry and why do you have that vision I have that vision because as a woman of colour growing up in Australia, um, I always struggled with finding shades that match my skin. Or I would go into places and they literally don't have my foundation in stock. I know that they exist, they just don't have them on display at all. And I know that's a struggle that other people of colour face in Australia. Um, so that's why I started my brand because I think it's important for everyone's beauty to be validated, to be seen. Um, so yeah, that's what really motivated me, just that struggle. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I first met you as we were speaking about before a couple of years ago when you were just kickstarting this, this brand and this company. So it's so exciting to see how far you've come and to hear of all this great success. <laughs> um, so can you tell me then, what are some of the, um, what are some of the challenges you faced? Obviously the, the, I mean, perhaps there haven't been, but <laughs> some things might've come up along the way. Can you tell us about those challenges? Um, so a challenge that I faced in the beginning was finding a manufacturer that had formulas that I felt other people would like. Um, I spent a lot of money on samples, like so much, and lost a lot of money too. So that was a really big challenge in the beginning. Um, and also another challenge, because it's a fairly new business, it's getting people to recognize it. I, I found that very challenging. But I decided that I needed to invest in influencers and I believe having the help of the influencers really pushed my business because people could actually see my products in, I guess, in action. Um, so, yeah, those are like a few struggles that I have faced, but otherwise things have been going really good. And how did you feel throughout those struggles? To be honest, at some point I did want to give up because I was like, hey, I have these products, but I'm not getting any sales. So I really had to take that risk of investing in influencers and investing in them. I was like, okay, what if those people don't promote my products? Then what do I do? I've just given away all this product and I don't know if I'm going to get a return on it. Um, so... I really have learned to take risks when it comes to business. You really have to take a risk. If you want to see results, you have to take a risk. Um, so, yeah. Mm. And when did you start to see the sort of turning point then where there was a shift and, you know, people started, started purchasing and those sales started racking up? I think it was the moment that I decided to be like, okay, let me get these influences. Cause I had been sitting on the fence for a while. Cause I was like, okay, I'm probably going to lose money out of this. But because people were able to see makeup tutorials, they're like, oh, okay, this is what the product would look like on my skin complexion. So let me order something from this brand. Um, I think it really helps to have that visual, um, that visual representation um so yeah that was like the turning point for me definitely and going, yeah and going off from that what did you enjoy about being a woman in business I really enjoyed that as a woman in business I can take my power and I can make something of my own 
With a majority of industries run by men, I think it's important for women to also run their own companies and to have that ownership. So yeah, I just feel so powerful that as a woman, I can be able to do something for myself. And why is it important to feel powerful as a woman in business? Um, Because for so long, it's been men who've been the CEOs. Um, So it's just really good to have that representation of seeing more women, like, be able to be in those positions that men have had for such a long time. Um, And that's what makes it really powerful. I guess this is, yeah, this is the status quo we we love to harp on about on this um, on this radio show. But but yeah, I guess leadership is is really where it starts. We can aim for as much diversity as we want in other areas, but um, having people at the top is where, as you mentioned earlier, that word authenticity. I think it's where it's really going to come from. So on a bit of a more light-hearted note, can you tell us, Ruby, about your favorite uh, makeup style or look you like to create? Okay, my favorite style is using our nude lipstick called Marty. This nude lip just goes with absolutely any look. I'm like obsessed with always having this lip gloss on. Um, so to create this look, you have a brown um, lip liner and then you apply Marty gloss on there and it just looks immaculate. <laughs> you sound Amazing. very passionate about makeup. Is it? Are you you know, enjoying this um, business journey, I guess, um, because you are so passionate about makeup? Yes, I think I'm enjoying it because it's actually something that I actually love. And Mm -hmm. it's something that makes me feel beautiful. Um, So, yeah, it's just been an amazing journey. Do you have then, um, and I mean, I almost want to grab out my notebook and start taking notes, but do you have any other makeup tips or strategies for us? Um, well, we have another product called the Shimmer Powder. Now, if you want to like glow, I'm telling you, like glow, it's, it's such a nice finishing touch to your makeup. Just have a little bit of highlighter. It's just so beautiful. Um, yeah, so I recommend, like, after you've applied all your makeup, to just put a little bit of highlight and a little bit of shimmer and you just be like, oh, my gosh, beautiful. <laughs> so, And I'm so sorry, Ruby. I'm really out of my depth here. Whereabouts do you put that on the face? Again, <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> Okay, so the because way I feel so you go, you go. <laughs> the way that these um shimmer powders work is that you can wear them literally anywhere. So you can even wear them on your body, like let's say on your chest. You can wear them on your cheekbones, mm-hmm. and you can also wear them as um eyeshadow. So I made sure that they can be very diverse because some people don't really enjoy wearing highlighter. So if you want, you can just wear it as eyeshadow. You can wear it as a body shimmer. Way in nice. different ways. Nice, because I I have some sort of very uh, cheap shimmer powder I've tried to use before, and whenever I put it on, it's just a mess. And my <laughs> mom sort of my mum's there, like trying to wipe it off my face, like Lydia, why are you sparkling? And I think I just <laughs> I must put it in all the wrong spots. So um, thank you. This is very educational. <laughs> I would love to um put you know shimmer powder like all over my face and be like. Edward from Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the 
vibe I was giving off Simone to be honest <laughs> while I was um, stressing my mum out a bit but um, no excellent thank you so much for that and at the end we'll we'll get a few more details from you about where um, people can actually find your products and uh, yeah have some make some fun lockdown purchases <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway after going on that tangent a bit <laughs> yeah sorry for that <laughs> You've, so one of the most like um, important parts of your business is that you want to challenge the beauty narrative um, with Rouvé Cosmetics. So what is this beauty narrative that you talk about? Um, the beauty narrative is to see a truly inclusive beauty industry that recognises everyone's beauty. Um, and like I mentioned, for people to feel seen and validated – so that's the whole shifting of the beauty narrative. And what is the current beauty narrative? Um, well, I can only speak for Australia. <laughs> um, the current beauty narrative is that there's not a lot of representation. Like if you go into a beauty store, how many people of colour do you see on the posters or how many people of colour do you see in the ads that are on TV? Um, I think pushing for more people of colour to be on the forefront is what we are aiming for as a brand and hopefully that will be like a domino effect in the beauty industry. Would you also say that um, there's like colourism in the beauty industry that even if they do um, feature people of colour, women of colour, Mm. It's it's usually um, lighter-skinned women of colour and not, like, darker-skinned women of colour. Yeah, I definitely do feel like it's like that. Um, and I'm not sure why it's like that. Since Australia is a multicultural nation and it has a lot of different people of colour with different shades, but yet they're not recognised, I just don't understand why it's like mm. that. Yeah, you would think it, it's pretty straightforward, you know. It's just, <laughs> it should really easily be just a reflection of society. And as you're talking about beauty and its its many shapes and forms, but I suppose it's a bit of an ego thing. And again, this um, the current narrative that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Do you think then, um, how can I put this? How can we avoid then going sort of to the other side of things where it becomes tokenistic and obviously this isn't something you need to worry about with your brand as a CEO that's very mm. authentic but I guess with you know some of the other big cosmetics brands how can we avoid that tokenism and you know just throwing women of color on posters and whatnot just for the sake of it I suppose well unfortunately it has already happened mm, definitely I think when I'm sure you know that Rihanna launched her own beauty brand. When that happened, she released like, let's say, 30 plus foundation shades. As soon as she did that, other beauty brands were like, oh, wait, there's a market for people of color. So then they started creating the foundation shades, which I guess seeing that it just made it seem like it was just an afterthought. Um, so I think recognizing the issue, um, firsthand instead of like treating like, oh, oh, okay, let me just create these shades because I guess people are complaining. Um, they should really see that there's an issue and do something about it when people of color raise it up to them. Mm, so sort of more being 
proactive rather than just reactive, I yeah. suppose, and looking for there to be a market there, making it genuinely about their, their customers and the people they're serving. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not being passive about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, too, that um, as as we've been talking about, having having leaders, having women of colour as leaders like yourself and, and like Rihanna, who are, yeah, paving the way, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> <So important too. laughs> Brilliant. And um, how do you think or do you think that this beauty narrative affects women and girls in particular or disproportionately to men? Um, well, for women because beauty is such a big thing for a woman and I think when you are when you are not represented in that kind of space you really start to question your own confidence really starts to question like oh am I pretty enough am I beautiful enough why am I not being seen um which can really affect you greatly as a woman. That's what I feel can really affect you. Do you think, though, that, like, the fact that we live in, like, a patriarchal society, that beauty is kind of overemphasised and seen as defining women's worth? Mm. (laughs) So that's a pretty heavy question. (laughs) And take your time with it, Ruby, you know, we're getting you to dismantle patriarchy here. (laughs) I guess um, an alternative question, unless, sorry, you wanted to pitch in, I I don't want to take over here. But an alternative question could maybe be, how do you define beauty? You know, is it is it just about looks? Is it just this patriarchal thing of um, your appearance or... I don't know, is it something more than that? Is it something we can really sort of reclaim? So, yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. What is your definition of beauty, Ruby? I think beauty really starts from within. Um, So I think you have to love yourself first to really feel beautiful. Um, nobody else can define what beauty is for you. Everybody has a different way of defining what beauty means to them. And I think the moment that you decide what it is that makes you feel beautiful, then the outside opinions of what beauty is don't really matter. Um, yeah. Mm, Yeah, so more of like this arbitrary definition, I suppose, where it almost comes back down to confidence and self-perception rather than, yeah. I guess, yeah, the outside world telling you to to look a certain way, to tick these boxes and, oh, yes, you're conventionally attractive kind of thing. Yeah. Um, is it, mm. though, do we, do women, what I was trying to say with my question before is, like, do women always have to be beautiful, whether or not it is on the inside or on the outside? Like, do you think maybe it's okay to be ugly sometimes? <laughs> I think we all have those days where we do feel like we're not the standard of beauty and it's completely okay. You can have those days. You don't always have to be polished up or all of that. Um, Yeah, it's completely okay. And um, moving forward, um, 
beyond the cosmetics of the beauty industry, what else can we be doing to dismantle this, um, the current narrative of beauty? Um, I think by educating ourselves on the issues that different groups of people face and seeing ways that we can better improve industries so that they have more, they're more inclusive and also be understanding of other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess then, just changing gears a little bit, do you think that lifestyle and beauty writing, like what we're seeing in, in magazines and in the media um, and throughout society overall, do you think that sometimes they push that narrative even more that you've been talking about? No, I don't think that they push that narrative. I think there's more room for improvement that can be done and make sure that beauty is inclusive. Um, I think we're still, because if you look at like top magazines, you still see a skinny model. You're not going to see a plus size model. I think there's still more room for improvement to really actually show even different body types um, than just the normal beauty standard that we've all known our whole entire lives. And I think people are waking up to that, but I don't know how far or how long it's going to take for that to really be the norm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And But yeah, you don't think that they're pushing that narrative? Like I saw, you know, um, Jamila Jamil, you know, um, from The Good Place. Uh, no, I don't know who that oh. is. She's um she's, she's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's like an activist um who talks about like uh body positivity and mm. like she had her she had an eating disorder and she kind of talks about that a bit and she's trying to like you know push back against the narrative that you know to be skinny and to be beautiful is what defines your worth and that kind of thing. And like I just see stuff that she posts on Instagram of like magazines being like look look at all of these pe hor horribly ugly people in bathing suits you know look at this really fat person aren't they terrible and like calling them a whale and stuff like that surely that's pushing the narrative that there's one type of beauty right yeah it's definitely pushing that narrative that there's one type of beauty and the reality is there's no one type of beauty um and I guess some magazines are recognizing that like, oh, okay, I think we've made a mistake um, and it's good, but it's taking forever for them to really change the way that they view beauty. And I don't know if we can change does, that, I'm not sure. How does that make you feel that um, that's very slow progression? Um, it's quite disheartening. It kind of... Um, it makes me feel like oh, okay is my am I recognized like where's the representation like do I even matter you know what I mean um so yeah that's how it makes me feel it's just like oh <laughs> but do you think that your your company your brand Ruve Cosmetics do you think it's helping combat against that sort of disheartened feeling like you're able to take some action and contribute to that change yeah, I definitely feel like that. Um, all my influences are people from different ethnic backgrounds. I made sure that representation was something that we really pushed for. 
Um, and for everyone to feel seen, for everyone's beauty to be validated, that's something that I'm actively wanting to do with my brand. Um, yeah. Mm. I really like that phrase, validating everyone's beauty. That's, that's yeah. really <laughs> lovely. And I think, as you said before, beauty, it's its arbitrary, it's open. We can interpret it however we want and and feel it within ourselves however we want. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just again, changing gears a little bit, Ruby. You're also um, you've been quite an active writer over the past few years as well. I recently read some of your pieces, "A Vote for Young Women and Girls," where you discuss the wage gap in Australia, um, but also remembering Natalina Angok, where you highlight the public's failure to express outrage um, and properly honour black women when they're murdered. You know, we have these disparities between the way we express that outrage when people of women of different colours. Um, are murdered and we see this domestic violence and whatnot. So can you tell us a little bit more about this particular article and some of the thoughts behind it? Okay. Um, so when I wrote this article, I was very disheartened by the response from the community of women who march and organize vigils um, for women when they're murdered. There wasn't that same out outrage for Natalina I didn't see any vigils for her. Her death was meant with silence and that really angered me. It's very disheartening that black people in the media are only portrayed badly, but when something like this happens, there's not even an ounce of support, no sympathy at all. It really made me question if feminism was a movement for all women or if it was just a movement for white women because most of the w white women that got murdered, they got vigils, they got media coverage, they got like marches and Natalina it was like quiet. And that made me like really question like, okay, feminism, what is it? Is it for just white women or is it for all women? And in that moment, I just felt like it wasn't for all women. And how do you think we can, like some people would call that kind of feminism, white feminism as opposed to like intersectional feminism that really takes into account um, people from all backgrounds and, you know, the diversity um, of women. So how do you think we can combat white feminism? I think by really, I guess, inviting women of colour into the space uh, I mean, I've seen some videos where it can be a whole panel of white women and there's not even anybody diverse in those panels. I think we can really change that by being more inclusive of other voices in the room than just white voices. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've actually recently been reading a little a little bit of Audre Lorde. I don't know if either of you are familiar with her, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, you know, she was writing what I think the 70s. Oh my gosh, I'm terrified I've got that wrong. But she's no, identifying she's identifying these exact things you're talking about, Ruby, you know, that need for intersectionality and how like feminism has sadly historically been a very white movement, which it is very exclusionary. And it seems hypocritical, you know, to fight for fight for um like sexual equality and then forget those nuances. So I don't know, I think just these sort of focusing events, like what you've mentioned here, it shows how much more work we have to do. So, yeah, I guess it's quite disappointing. 
And um, what other issues do you like to write about? Um, I love writing about a variety of different things, but I enjoy writing opinion pieces centered around issues that people, people of color face and educating people on them. I also enjoy, enjoy writing pieces that really empower and motivate people. Um, so sometimes I write these long captions just to empower people, people who are feeling a bit down. Um, yeah, just to motivate them just a little bit. And where can we find some of your published uh, articles? Um, so you can just search my name on Google <laughs> and most of them should be, should be able to pop up. Or um, my Instagram page as well because I write on there. And are they? Are your like published artworks like remembering Natal- Natalina Ancock? Is that on a blog or is it like? Did you freelance that? I actually wrote for Women's Agenda, so they published it on their website. Mm, I think that's where I found it. Actually, I, I did this this Google deep dive, and um, <laughs> yeah, I think even you've got some stuff on Plan International's page as well, Ruby, and um, Foundation for Young Australians. Is it too? Yeah, so, I've got some stuff written for them as well. Yeah, lots of great platforms. Um, for those, how does it? How do you feel when those platforms give you a voice? I feel heard. Um, I think, yeah, I just feel very heard and I feel very amazed that they would want me to write for them. Um, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very um, validating and empowering feeling. It's it's excellent. You have access to that and it's working out. So I guess then to finish up, Ruby, we've spoken about all these amazing, amazing projects you're working on. You're, you're a businesswoman, you're a writer, um, you're an activist. What advice would you give to other women um, who are wanting to pursue the things that they care about? I think the advice I'd give to other young people is to find their why. Find the thing that you really are passionate about and put yourself into it 100%. The reason that you pursue that thing is going to motivate you um, and will be your driving force. For me, it was to be able to see a truly diverse and inclusive industry, for people to know that their beauty is valid and it's seen. So find out what is your why. I love that. Uh, thank yeah. you so much, Ruby. It's a really beautiful note to end on. So, yeah, again, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. and. Um, yeah, sharing these really lovely thoughts with us. I think it's perking us all up in lockdown. Before we finish up, could you just quickly um, share a little bit more about where people can find your products and actually follow up on some of this stuff? Uh, yes. So you can find our products on www.ruvay. So ruvay is R-U-V-E, then cosmetics.com. And you can also shop on Instagram. We have a shop on Instagram. So you're able to shop directly from Instagram. And the Instagram is R-U-V-E, then cosmetics. And that's how you can find us. Um, yeah. Amazing. I uh, I think I know what I'll be doing after today's episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> fantastic. Well, thank you again, Ruby. Um, 
we'll finish up there for today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Have a lovely week. I hope lockdown's not getting um, on top of everyone too much. This episode will be going up on Spotify and the other streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts really shortly. So enjoy. Um, to finish up, we've got Ruby's second song choice, Level Up by Kiara. Enjoy everyone. Talk to you next week.